as they want to continue to come to the Lord in the attitude of worship and focusing on Jesus today, I'd like to invite us to, uh, you know, to uh, not to take our eyes in the sense away from uh, Jesus, to focus on Him, because He is a trustworthy God. He's a God whom we can put our faith in. Today, I want to talk to us about uh, the power of faith. What is faith? Right? What is faith? Faith um, is not science, right? I, uh, I, told, I often say that faith is not science. Science can be calculated and sign, science. Science can be calculated and every time, every time we do certain things that we will be, uh, we guarantee a particular outcome will... Uh, will appear. In our lives, sometimes there is a mixture of certainty of science and also of faith. Take for instance that we take vaccine against COVID-19. That is science. But there are so many things unknown about this vaccine. So we took it, we, uh, we bring our family members to be vaccinated. Uh, Somehow I use the word being vaccinated, sounds like we are pets huh? or dogs and cats sleeping the bed to be vaccinated. To receive vaccine, uh, there is an element of faith in it, isn't it? Because we, there is, although there is science, but there is still uncertainty. Even the medical uh, practitioner, the scientist, will say that, well, there are certain things that we're still not too sure how this vaccine will. Will, uh, will affect us. So we want to identify that faith is something that we live with and we need to live with every day in our life, isn't it? Right? As some of you here, you walk into this uh, sanctuary, those of us in sanctuary, you sit on the chairs. You have faith in the chairs, okay? Uh, how, how do you know the chair is not going to give way, right? Uh, none of us, as far as I, I, I observe, uh, will come into you know, a, a place that we, before we sit down, uh, we press the chair first. solid. We, go, we went straight to the chair and sat down. That's faith. So, we want to talk about the object of faith. What do I mean by an object of faith? Really quick. We look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. Now, let's read together. Hebrews 11, verse 1 to 3. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the words, were, the words were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which were visible. So we, this is what I call the object of faith. How, what we, how faith operates. The object of faith means that the target of faith. What do we hope to see happen and how it operates? The Hebrews writer there says that now faith is a substance of things so far, the evidence of things not seen, right? That is something that we hope for, something that has not happened yet. We hope for, okay? The evidence of things not seen. He went on to say that no, there are things that we cannot see, science cannot prove it, but faith does the job. By faith, we understand that the words were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So, in all this, it's just describing the, how faith operates, what they call the object of faith, right? It's what we believe in. Now, if this is all we understand about faith, then it's, it is going to be insufficient, Okay? Look, if, if we understand Christian faith just based on this one. So I can believe that as I walk out of this door, there will be a, a, a jaguar waiting for me in front. Now, faith is a substance of things so far. I hope for it. The evidence of things unseen. I don't know how it happened. I exercise faith. I have faith. I'm going to walk out this door and then somebody is going to hand me the key to a, to a new Jaguar. 
brand new, registered in my name. Now, this, you, know that, you know that what I'm talking about, right? You know that it is not faith, it is wishful thinking. But if you apply these words and say that this is Christian faith, then it is insufficient. In fact, it can be even defective. The Word of God, we must understand the Word of God in the totality of the, of the revelation of God. So, this is not something, of course, I take this out and then just, just talk to us about this. Of course, you took a look at the book of uh, Hebrews, the whole Hebrews of chapter 11, talk a whole lot of things um, about explaining what is faith. Now, the next thing I want to say, I want to uh, suggest to us is this, that faith can operate in a particular way. Faith operates in a particular way. But what is the subject of faith? Faith got legs. Where does it stand on? Right? To, to whom, do we, whom do we believe, whom do we put our faith in is equally important than what we hope to see. The subject of faith. Let's look at this passage from Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 10. Let's, let's look at this story, shall we? Right? Children, try to imagine that this is a story, right? Let's read together. Let's go through this uh, story together, right? Now, when he concluded his sayings in the hearing of the people, that is Jesus, he entered into Cabernet. You know where Cabernet? Cabernet is a city, right? It's a town. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to me, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that follow him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant was well who had been sick. When, yeah, the, when Jesus, when Jesus yeah, in, in, uh, in the, in the, um, in the uh, Matthew account, it says that the, it was, they found that they were, the servant was healed the moment Jesus says those words. The moment Jesus says those words. Now try to imagine, try to picture this picture. Jesus was entering into, has entered uh, into uh, Capernaum. Right? He, 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 was, he entered into Capernaum. And there was a centurion. A centurion is a Roman, a Roman soldier. Century means century means a hundred, right? Hundred. Century means he is the captain of a hundred Roman so uh, Roman so uh, soldiers, Roman troopers. So a, a Roman soldier is not a Jews. They are not part of the nation of Israel, right? They, they they were not allowed to enter into the synagogue to worship uh, the God of the Bible, uh, the God of Israel. Okay, so this centurion has a, has a request. He has a servant who was very close to him, so dear to him, was sick and ready to die. His time was up. His time was up, ready to die. So he heard about Jesus. He sent elders of the Jews to him. Interesting, a centurion, a Roman a captain of a hundred, right, very powerful, huh? still very powerful, and can, 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 can be so close to the leaders of the Jewish people and send the elders of the Jews to Jesus 
pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And so, when, when these Jewish leaders came to Jesus and he said that, you know, you know this one for whom we should, no, you, should, you should really do this. This is a good centurion. This is not like any one of those Roman, Romans uh, whom we, you know, we, we, uh, we despise as Jews. Come. Because this one, what did he do? He loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. But let's stop here for a little while. And you know, here we have, here we have a, a centurion who was hoping for an impossible thing, who did not even worship the God of Israel. You know how much he loves Israel? You know how much he loves God? He built a synagogue which he will never be able to worship in. He's not, he's not just giving money to the church. He built a church, he built a synagogue. The synagogue had an opening ceremony. He invited the biggest donor to come. The centurion, he cannot come. Because he's not number one, Jewish custom does not allow a Gentiles to enter into their place of worship. Number two, he cannot come into the synagogue and bow down to the God of Israel without being his head cut off. He's supposed to bow to Caesar and Caesar only. That's how much he loves this nation. He didn't do it secretly. He did it openly. Where? In Capernaum. There he was a servant. There's a servant. This centurion has a soft spot for this servant. He was dying. He was ready to die. About to die in some translation. Ready to die means his time is up. The time of things has come. And this centurion said, no, I believe in a miracle. There's faith. Faith is the things unseen that we hope for, isn't it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. He hoped for that which is impossible. And he's talked to Jewish because he, he has no connection with Jesus. He sent to those, he, he, he called those people who, who, who give money to, to build the synagogue, to worship the God of Israel. So can you put in a few good words for, for me? This servant is so important uh, to me. I know I'm talking about something that is impossible, but I know and I know this Jesus can do it. Wow! He he, he actually risked it, right? He risked, he risked being, being uh, misunderstood and all the rest of it. And so, so this is the story. So this is a breakdown. So, the, he was even talking to, to uh, uh, the, the Jewish people, even talking to Jesus and said that he, he, he deserved this one. This one deserved it, please go. And verse 6, then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter my, under my roof. Wow! This, this man has given money to build a synagogue. And here, yes, here we are, we have a rabbi coming to visit and do a visitation. He said, I'm not even worthy to have you come under my roof. What a contrast, my, my dear friends. Today, sometimes we, uh, you know, the visitation team doesn't come to our house, we get offended. If the pastor doesn't come to visit me, I get offended. But this one, no, no, no. So I'm not even worthy to have you. Of course, the pastor is not Jesus now, right? There's a difference you can say, right? Of course. But the thing is this, that the way that he has treated Jesus in a, what, in a, in a, in a such an esteemed position, okay, that parallel fail, right? About pastors, about visitation team. Anyway, the attitude is this that I, I know who I am before God. The point is this. This centurion knew who he was before Jesus. I, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. Wow, he didn't come to you not because he was like, you know, he was like, you're like a big boss. I don't, you know, you, you don't talk tight. 
directly to me. So I'm not worthy to talk to you. That's why I sent one of your leaders. I requested one of your leaders to talk to, talk to you on my behalf. That was, that, was the, that was the reason why. And he says that, but, but says the word, and my servant will be healed. Why? For I'm also a man placed under authority. Having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Wow, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned around and said to the crowd to follow him, I, said, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Why not even in Israel? Let's talk about, let's look at Cabinet. What is Cabinet? In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 23 to verse 24. Let's look at this condition of Cabinet. Shall we read together? And you, Cabinet, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. That's how hard-hearted Cabernet was. In the city where people were witnessing the miracle of Jesus and all the rest of it, Jesus said, if this miracle would be done, done in Sodom, Sodom would not have been disputed been destroyed. Meaning that if this miracle were done in Sodom, the people in Sodom would have turned away from the sin. The depth of hard-heartedness and rejection of God in Cabernet, in contrast to a centurion, to a Gentiles, to one who will never be able to worship in the synagogue unless he risks his neck, risks his life, who, who say these things about Jesus, who believe in Jesus can do the impossible, who believe in Jesus that all I need is to hear you say the word, say the word, and my servant will be healed. Remember when we talk about the word of Jesus, when Bartimaeus was, you know, the blind Bartimaeus was begging and he, he, he cried out to Jesus and Jesus said, ask him to come. Jesus, say the word. The voice of opposition turned into voice of encouragement. And centurion also understand that the word of Jesus was so powerful because it carries authority. Because I'm men under authority. I know how authority works. My dear friends, faith is not only believing that what faith can bring us, Faith is not only believing that, wow, if I have faith, things will happen. If I, if I, if I, if I do these things, uh, if I do these things, I, I, if I follow the steps right, I will get my Jaguar afterwards. Now, that's not how faith works. Faith has to stand on the subject of the person whom we put our trust in. The century understands authority. That is what's so amazing about, about that man. And Jesus said that I have not seen such faith in whole Israel. Now there is great, there is, there is great difference between authority and, and power. We have talked about this much and let me just uh, recount it a little bit in the short next two minutes. Authority is the permission to use power. Power itself accomplishes things. Authority is the one to move that power. Jesus has authority because he can move. He has permission to move the power of heaven to bring healing. If the authority is taken away from, from any man, he, has, he, has, he cannot use power. A policeman has power, gun power, fire power, but he has no authority to use it when he goes to a nightclub. He doesn't like somebody, he pulls his gun and shoots into the air. There was such a case in West Malaysia. A policeman carried a gun, carried a pistol, went to a nightclub. He didn't like, he didn't like the people which he saw, whom, uh, whom he saw. He pulled out his, his, his pistol, he shot into the air. He was arrested even though he was, 
He was an active policeman. His authority does not give him the permission to shoot a pistol even into the air in public when he was not carrying out his duty. He stepped out of his line of authority. You understand what I'm saying? Did he have the gun? Yes, he had the gun. He had the pistol. Did he have power? He had, he had power. But did he have authority to shoot, fire a warning shot when his life was not threatened, when there was no crime being committed, just simply because he didn't like the people around? And centurions knew that Jesus, you have the permission to use it and to use it to save my servant. Why? Because he knew who Jesus was. My dear friends, that is the tipping point. That is the thing that has caused Jesus to say that I have not seen faith in the whole of Israel. Now, what an amazing thing about this, this, this story is this, that the servant was about to die. The servant was ready to die. Cannot be changed. The Chinese says, Zhu Tin, Zhu Tin. That is, it is destined. You're fated. You're fated. But you see, faith in Jesus can even change the impossible. I know I'm saying this word is, is, uh, is, uh, is pretty bold. But this is what we need today, my dear friends. This is, this is what the church is supposed to be exhibiting. This is what your life and my life is supposed to be. Faith, there is power in faith that will change things. But sometimes, let me, let me suggest to us, sometimes our faith is incomplete or too simplistic. Without knowing whom we have faith in, faith in itself will not operate to bring fruits. As I say, I have faith that there's going to be a, a jaguar outside. Now, if I do not, have, do not know whom I have faith in, it is not going to happen. And I need to know whom I have faith in in order to see how faith operates. Knowing the subject of our faith, knowing whom we believe in, is evidenced by at least the following. Number one, is by a lifestyle of honouring God. If we say we believe in Jesus, do we honour Him in all that we do? Or do we honour Him only in the, in, the, in, in, in the sight of public, in public sight? Or do we honour Him privately? Or do we honour Him in our thoughts, life? Do we honour Him in the way that we spend our time? Do we honour Him in the lifestyle. Today, this, we, you know, you, you come together, you're wearing masks and all that. I know there's those of us who like to join this uh, worship service. You don't have a choice. You can't, you can't be here. But you, you, are, you are coming here. You know, you know you're, you're, you're paying some price. You're making some steps. A lifestyle of honoring God talks about that there is, there is something that we need to give up in order to bring to, to show that we honor God. A lifestyle honoring God, just like this centurion, did not honor God when it was safe, when it was convenient. It was hugely inconvenient as a centurion. Oh, Romans, Roman centurion still in service, oh, not retired yet. Oh. It is hugely dangerous too. To be connected with this, this, this group of people, these Jewish people. At that time, there was already some rebellion among the Jewish people, remember? There was some rebellion. There was some armed rebellion led by people like such as Barabbas and so on. It was not safe to be friends with people who were rebelling against the Emperor Caesar. It is not convenient to publicly associate with the Jews let alone to give money to build the synagogue. It is a lifestyle of honouring God. That is what makes this centurion so extraordinary. 
He didn't honour God because he wanted to get attention. He honoured God simply because he knew who this God is. Number two, he loved a servant dying, a servant, ma, you die already, get another one, no? But he, he has a soft spot. He has, he, he, though he was a man of war, but he has love for people, genuine love for people. He has a genuine love for God. He, give, he gave unto God without expectation of any benefits. Isn't it? He built a synagogue. He cannot worship there. As I said, the opening ceremony, uh, the, you know, he cannot even be present. He can probably watch at a, at a, at a distance. He cannot, be part, he cannot be part of it because he cannot enter. Because the synagogue, the Jewish leader will not allow him to, to, to enter in. He gave without expectation of benefits as a lifestyle. Number three, he was humble. He recognized who this Jesus is and said, I'm not worthy to even come to you. Who am I, can, who am I even invite you to come to my, come under my roof? You know, the centurion was not the only one. Zacchaeus was another one. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He, he had committed a lot of, uh, you know, he had a lot of uh, 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 shady dealings. But Jesus said, today I'll come and dine with you. Wow. You come to my house? Yeah, I'm coming. No, you come to my house. You prepare me a meal, I'll eat with you. Humility is a, is a sign of somebody who knows their God. Humility is not like, you know, uh, a virtue which we publicize ourselves. If I wear a t-shirt, I'm humble. I'm very humble. If I wear a t-shirt, front and back, I'm humble. I'm, I'm very humble. I'm sandwiched by humility. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, right? I, I don't, and then uh, humility doesn't mean that I'm hoping that somebody will introduce me uh, next time around or whatever, whatever Whatever event, uh, oh, he's a humble man. Oh, I feel so nice. And next time, remember, introduce me, say I'm a humble man, okay? No, that is not humility. Humility bursts out of knowing who we are before this God, whom we deserve nothing. That is humility. Number five, number, number four, sorry, recognizing the authority and deity of Jesus. The kind of authority that the centurion recognized in Jesus was not just authority as a soldier, as a commander, as a general, uh, you know, in the, in the Roman armies. He recognized his authority as God because the servant's time can be shifted. He was ready to die. Your business was ready to fail. Your family was ready to be broken down. The, the city, the nation that we, we, are, we are living in were ready to, to collapse. It is ready. It has been accumulating. All the mistakes, all the sins in the past, in our generation before us, in our personal life, in our family, in our nation, in your city, has accumulated and it is ready to die. And that is the time, my dear friends. Faith in knowing who Jesus is will cause us to cry to Jesus. Jesus, I know the time is ready to die. But say the word. Say the word. You have the authority. Say the word. You know what would, you know, when Jesus said the word in this case, he just said that one sentence. In our lives, God will say the word, you do this, you do this next, you go here, you move on, you move on, you move next, you do this. It's just the next, the next, the next, because Jesus is interested in our lives. He wants to get us out from the time of ready to die. Ready to die means there's no hope. But we come to Jesus today, my dear friends, come to Jesus today and say, Jesus, say the word. Say the word. So what is ready to die will not die. 
What is ready to fail will not fail. What is ready to lose hope completely, to be ruined, will not be ruined. Say the word. Our understanding of who this Jesus is is very important. Jesus is God. He is not magician. He is God Almighty. When He said the word, He said there are things that you need to set right in your life. You do this, you take the next step. You take the next, you take the next, and we follow the word. Because every word that Jesus said to us in your situation, in my situation, it, it warrants our obedience. It warrants our honoring. Jesus said, you want a jaguar outside? He said the word. Do this first. Do this. And that's nothing to do with having a jaguar. Do this. You know, we have, uh, we have heard testimony of the building of churches. You know, some pastors, when they were doing fundraising uh, to build their own church, already not enough money. The Lord says, give to another church. Wow, how can I? No money really have to give to another church. Because Jesus has said the word. When they give, the Lord gave even more. Must hear from Jesus, my dear friends. Don't simply do whatever that we think Jesus is saying. We've got to know who this Jesus is. We've got to have a relationship with Him. We've got to have intimate. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to understand how to hear His voice, to hear His words, and then we can do what His word says. Recognizing the authority and the deity of Jesus is the one who knows the subject of our faith. And most important is this, that knowing that who this God is. Knowing that God is good and no evil is found in Him. Can we agree with that? God is good all the time? All the time? All the time means there is no break in time. Eh? Any moment, God is no good. Correct? Correct or not? Some are not very sure. Right? Okay, never mind. So those of us online, <laughs> you can type in the online, church online. You agree. If Number one. Number two, if God is all good, there is no a bit of evil inside Him. Correct? Now, when, when, when we were doing science, science experiment in, in school, we were trying to cultivate bacteria. So we, we make jelly, uh, jelly into you know, these things. And so we, they, 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 in order to, to make sure there's no bacteria, we got to do it nicely. Okay, when it's dry already, it quickly covered it. Right? And then the next one, the next, next, uh, next dish, uh, we make the jelly. The agar gala, right? Then we put some, some dirt on top of it. Then we cover it. So then we do three, right? Three, and some we put just clean water. Some we put dirt. Some we put uh, muddy water. So there are four. So I still remember in my, in my science class, uh, then uh, after we put it there, after a week, uh, we came back to the lab. We opened up. You know, the, the one with muddy water, of course, got, got fungus, lah, huh? or, or, or spoiler. The one got dirt, oh yeah, also got. Oh. The one put clear water, clean water one, nothing, very clean. Now the one empty one, oh, you got fungus also. So we said, how can it be? So I still remember in my, in my group, the team of four of us, we look at each other. How can it be? Then we remember, we point to one of our friends, it was you. What do you mean it was he? Because when you try to get the, you try to put the cover, you see, you try to put the cover, you put the cover on the, on the, on the jelly, it's clear, it's, everything is, is, is done nicely, nicely done. So he dropped the cover on the table, and then he tried to catch the cover, his three fingers touched the table. Just three fingers like that, right? Those over online, we don't know you can see or not. Just three fingers, Touch like that. And then he picked up the cover. Then he put on that. Then his finger touched the jelly. So on the jelly, 
there are three spots of fungus. Three fingers. <laughs> you see, God is not like that. He's all good, sometimes a little bit evil. That is not our God. My dear friends, what does it mean to us to understand that God is not a pot, a, a, a pot of nicely clean jelly with a little bit of fungus on top? No. He is all good. He has no fungus on top. If we, if we, we you know, you, 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 we, if you understand this, when evil things happen in our life, God is not responsible. When bad things happen in our life, God is not responsible because there's no evil in Him. I tell you the world today, in the church today, we have a problem with that because we don't know our God. He's good all the time. He has no evil, no strength of evil inside Him. He has, you know, he, he, when bad things happen, we get angry with God or sometimes or God, why do you let my servant ready to die or I give money to the church wasted uh, I risk my neck for the God of Israel and this Jesus who claimed to be from God my servant is dying so dear to me he's my right hand man I go to war he takes care of my family takes care of my whole household for the beginning, he's a butler, he's a driver, he's everything. And he's ready to die. Hiya, why so mafano? God, why do you do it to me? Angry with you. I take back my, my money. I tear down the sitting God. Huh? Then God, there is no evil. Or we are good Christians, right? Bad things happen. God must have a purpose. And God said, what? I, I want to bless you. I need to, I need to employ the help of the devil. Is that right? I want to bless my people. I want to strengthen my, 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 my people's faith. So I need to employ devil. Devil, can you help me? I'm, I'm God, you know, a devil. You're going, you're going to send some calamity, sickness to this family, to that person. You're going to send a COVID-19 to the world. Huh. That kind of theology, I have a problem. You should have a problem too. Because that is not God. Sometimes we are given the devil far too much leeway. We've forgotten about him. He's very happy. If bad things happen to you and you skip saying, that, oh, God must have purpose. Why you send the sickness into my life? Then the devil said, I can go holiday. <laughs> I can go holiday. Then I don't need to do anything. These people who believe in God, they are, they are, they are so angry with God inside. They can, they're not sure they're anger to God. So they say that God sent the, sent the sickness. Wow. wow. Convenient. My dear friends, that is not that is not the picture. That is not the truth. God is a master opportunist. Have you ever heard about the, the saying, uh, if life gives you lemon, you make lemonade. You can make lemon cake too. The devil is taking opportunity of the sinfulness of man. Not just you, but people around us. The sinfulness of man. He is look, looking around. How, does, how is the devil being described in the Bible? He is a roaring lion, roaming about, doing what? Jalan-jalan. He is a roaring lion, roaming about, doing what? Seeking whom he may devour. He is not doing it alone. He has the, the, the fallen angels from heaven. How many? I don't know how many, but one third of all the angelic beings follow him. I don't know what is the population of angelic beings in heaven. Don't ask me. 
It could be one million, it could be one trillion. But one third of them decided to follow this guy. Called the devil. He came, he organized himself. He's like an army. He organized himself. And he said, this one go, that one go, 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 go. You do one thing, you are a rolling lion. You go around and seeking for sins, darkness, false worship, occult. Then you devour them. That is a spiritual reality, my dear friends. Do we see it? Well, are we afraid of it? If we are afraid of that, we, are, we do not know our Jesus. Because the centurion said, you are the supreme commander. You can you say the word, even sickness, even the work of darkness, the work of devil can be destroyed. And Jesus said, I have not seen faith like this even in all Israel. My dear friends, does he see faith like that in us? Or do we still say, that, oh, God is the originator of good and evil. That is not just wrong theology, huh? that is heresy. That is blasphemy against God, who is good all the time. And all the time He is good. He's, in Him there is no evil found, my dear friends. There is no evil found. The centurion knew it. The centurion understood it. He asked for healing. Say the word. Number two, knowing that God is faithful and truthful, He never lied. He never lied. There's no strength of evil in Him. There's no strength of lie inside. What He say, He would do it. He said, you are my beloved. You are, we are all His beloved. There's no lie. There's no shadow of turning in Him. There's no even a shadow of turning away from His words. But why is it things are not happening, my dear friends? It is because there is somebody called the devil who wanted of the angelic beings with him, lurking around in this world, holding men in bondages, holding men and women in bondages of lies, of uh, sickness, of all kinds of uh, evil, and blame it on God. Wow. Do not be, do not give the holiday, do not give the devil a holiday, right? If you have, even I have been, uh, have been as, uh, attributing the bad things in our life, the bad misfortune in our lives to, to God, you say, you send a notice to the devil, your holiday is over. Your holiday is over. I know when I say these things, uh, a lot of Christians cannot, cannot even chew it. You know how deep the lies has been? Seated in our, in our soul. Seated in our spirit. He's faithful and truthful. If he's faithful and truthful, never lie. That means that whatever he promised, he will, he will do. Correct? He will do. If the Lord today was now celebrating communion, you should have a jaguar. Wow. Not the animal jaguar, a car jaguar. <laughs> I don't want the animal jaguar. <laughs> I have three dogs already, quite handful, you know. I don't want another jaguar in the house. But I know that if he's faithful, he's truthful, he, he, will, he will never lie. Number three, he's all-powerful. What he say, he do, he will accomplish it. Number four, he's loving and have our best interest in his mind. He's always thinking about us, how to bless us, how comforting it is to know a God like that we can run to him. My dear friends, shake off the lies of the enemy. Shake it off. That I'm running to my God today. I'm running to my Jesus and say, Jesus, say the word. In my situation, that is ready to die. Say the word, say the word, for I know about authority. I know about your authority and your deity. Do we know Jesus in that way? If you and I have not come to get that to the stage where we are struggling in the, ask Jesus to help us. Jesus, help me. Reveal yourself to me more and more so I can see you clearly. I know that Ashton Moses always prayed this prayer every time he, he, preached, he preached the word. He said, Lord, please help me to see you more clearly, to, more, to know you more dearly, and to follow you more closely. 
That is his standard prayer. But sometimes we do need that. We ask Jesus, Jesus, help me to see you more clearly. That we may know you more dearly. We may intimately connect with you. That we will follow your ways, your words more closely. When we know the subject of our faith, convinced of the object of our faith, we will, not, we will act and operate in faith and experience the power of faith. We will have every reason to persevere in prayers and every confidence in spiritual warfare. My dear friends, when God has promised us certain things, when God has said certain things to us that it has not happened yet, what do we do? We hold on to the fact that God is good and no evil is found in Him. God is faithful and truthful and never lying. He is all-powerful. He can accomplish what He has promised. And He is loving and having our best interests in mind. Who is in the way? It is sin and darkness. What should we do? We press in, we battle, we tear it apart. We deal with sin on the cross. We dismantle the structure, the demonic structure that comes against us, against what God has prepared for us, that stands in the way that makes things ready to die. We come against that. We have every confidence to come. We should have that, every, that com- confidence, my dear friends. You know, sometimes and I, was, I was preparing to come out here and say, wow, I say that. You know, sometimes we say that you know, when the bad things happen to us, I say we just, we just say that we just accept it. My dear friends, my dear brother and sister in Christ, during the Second World War, when nation has been invaded, cruelly treated by invading countries and invading armies, do we say to them, accept your lot? God's grace is sufficient for you, Nanjing. God's grace is sufficient for you, Poland. God's grace is sufficient for you, London. Can we say that to these people? Do they not stand up and fight? It is a very unchristian way, isn't it? People invade you, you just accept it all. And say, God's grace is sufficient for me. That is not our God. When the enemy is invading into your family, touching your children, you see a little, little things happen in your, in your territory. Ah, oh, you say that, oh, yeah, good things, oh, it didn't get worse. No, it should not even happen in the first place. You stand up and address the enemy. He said, holiday is over. You do not lie, you do not, you do not hide behind those lies. My God is good all the time. And He is powerful. He has His best, my best interest in mind. And if you stand in the way, I'm coming against you. In the name of Jesus. If it doesn't happen today, what do we do? We fight. When the invading armies of the mighty Germany invaded almost taken part, taken hold of almost the entire Europe except Britain. They were fighting against this. What do they say? Do we give up? Do we give in? Never mind. Every government is the same. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm hearing my own sermon. (laughs) No. We will not give in. We will not stop until we have won the war. That should be your attitude, my attitude. How long have you been fighting? Now on Tuesday, we pray about we, we, we hear a story about this, this miracle city. How long did they pray for that city? 20 years before it turned into a miracle city. This Tuesday, we can look at another city, another nation. Let us come together to the Lord and say that, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. Lord, I'm going to believe in you because you are trustworthy. Let us pray. My dear friends, I want to encourage us that Jesus is good all the time. What is your battle in your life? What is your struggle? I have my own struggle. But something I will never allow the enemy, I'll never agree with the enemy. 
that it is caused by God. My dear friends, if God can just wipe away sins with a stroke of his hand because he is so powerful, Jesus would have died in vain. What kind of father would God be? He sent his son Jesus to die for the sins of the whole world when it was not necessary. He could have just wiped, swung his hands and removed remove the excuse, the reason why the enemy can hold people in bondage, why evil can triumph in human history, human experience. If he could have done it and he didn't do it, he chose to sacrifice his son. My dear friends, this God is not worthy of our worship. But he is not. He was not. He will not be a God that will sacrifice us when he could do something about it. That's how good he is. Settle that in our heart and rise up in faith and say, Jesus, I believe in you. And I will walk in that faith. I will demonstrate in that, that, that faith in, every, in our, my prayers, in spiritual warfare. I will overcome. Father, my dear friends, call out to the Lord. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. You're good all the time. You're powerful all the time. You're truthful all the time. You're faithful all the time. Father, we just pray, O oh God, that would you cause that truth to sink in deep into our hearts, to purge out every lie from the enemy that causes us to be so passively fatalistic. Father, we just ask of you, O oh God, would you strengthen us? Would you pour us, pour your Holy Spirit into our hearts and strengthen us? Lord, we want to indeed know Jesus. We want to indeed know Jesus more intimately. We want to see him more close, more clearly as who he is. We want to have the intimate relationship with him. We want to hear the word that comes out from his mouth. Lord Jesus, would you say the word? As we draw near to you today, say the word. Say the word to us in respect to our situation that is ready to die. Not dead yet, but ready to die. Father, hear our heart cry. Today we say we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name. As the worship team sings the song, it's a nice tune. Let us say to Jesus that we trust in you. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus, to take him at his word as he said the word to us. Maybe totally unrelated to our immediate situation. But when he said the word, take him at his word. <laughs>